With all the economic uncertainty we're currently experiencing, marketing teams across the globe are being put under more pressure than ever to deliver short-term results, more leads, more pipeline, more revenue. And it's natural to see an overinvestment in short-term, easily attributable channels as companies try to shore themselves up for a cold winter, metaphorically speaking, of course. But times like these also represent a fantastic opportunity for companies that can strike the right balance between short-term demand capture and long-term demand creation. It's all based on this belief that the vast majority of B2B buyers, up to 95%, are out of market at any given time. That's to say, they're not ready to buy today, but they could be a good customer for you tomorrow. So while everyone else is doubling down on competing for the 5% of in-market customers, that leaves you more room to target and nurture the majority. And one of the best places to do this is on LinkedIn. My friends over at Transmission, one of the biggest agency names in B2B marketing and creativity, have put together a guide showing you how to use the platform's powerful marketing toolkit, and it's totally free. Want to check it out? Head on over to bit.ly forward slash B2B dash better and download it today. I'll drop the link in the description of this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Better, the podcast that helps companies rethink the status quo on how they win new business. My name is Jason Bradwell, and I help B2B companies refocus their marketing towards generating revenue. Every week on this show, I sit down with experts to understand how marketing and sales is broken in their industry and what they're doing to fix it. Here we go. Every time I kept coming back to the same emerging theme, which is at what point does B2B content like become art? And the reason I asked this question is that you see people on Twitter saying, you know, like Emily Kramer uh, recently uh, tweeted this about, you know, content needs to have an opinion. It needs to have like, something say something and isn't that what art is supposed to do get you to think get you to feel and isn't it our job as marketers to do that in this week's episode of b2b better i sat down with a good friend of mine ronnie higgins who is the director of content marketing at open phone and we talked about this idea of building a media company in b2b which If you spend any time looking at B2B marketing trends over the last couple of years, everyone seemingly wants to do it. They see organizations like HubSpot buying the Hustle newsletter. They see uh, ProfitWell uh, launching Recur Media, which arguably contributed to their massive exit when they sold to Paddle in early 2022. And you heard the introduction from Ronnie a moment ago. He has spent a real good deal of time thinking about this topic. How do you successfully launch a media organization within your organization? Uh, what are the common pitfalls and challenges that you may uh, come up against? And how do you build consensus within an organization to get behind the idea? So we sat down for a good half an hour chat talking about this. Um, and the first question I asked him is, why does everyone want to do it? Here he is. What's driving it is that too much of like all these creative people flooded into the field of content and had ideas before content of how they were going to use their creativity. And when their creativity is going into Ahrefs, looking up some keywords, going to ClearScope, looking up what keywords they also need to add into something like 
it sucks the soul out of them. And so they see something like MailChimp presents. They see, uh, I'm trying to think of other examples, but they see like the beautiful like stuff and they see something that just looks closer to what they envisioned they would be doing with their professional life. And they're, they want to do that. They see also what they're consuming um, as like, in not the B2B or even B2C world, they're seeing the content that they're consuming in the like consumer world and just media and saying like, why can't we be like that? This is a really great point from Ronnie, and it's one that resonates with me personally, because believe it or not, as a little boy, I didn't sit there dreaming, thinking I was going to become a B2B marketer when I grew up. I actually wanted to go on and become an actor in the theater. Um, and I actually studied theater for three years at university. But after realizing that I couldn't put up or stomach the struggling artist lifestyle, I took a job in sales that led, led to a job in marketing. I still have this creative drive. I want to be creative, but I've had to find ways to apply that in a B2B uh, marketing environment. And my story is not unique. I know there are lots of people listening to this podcast who are probably in the same boat, who've got a similar background. But with this influx of creative talent entering our industry, we're now starting to see a rise in the quality of creative work and how businesses can uh, better attract and engage their prospects, whether they're selling SaaS, SaaS software, whether, whether they're selling uh, you know, roofing, manufacturing supplies, you know, w whatever it is. Um, and this isn't just on the seller side either. You know, B2B buyers are getting younger. There are studies out there that show that, you know, 74% of 21 to 30 year olds working in B2B have influence over buying decisions. The way that they go out and discover and research new vendors to help them solve their problems is very different to their counterparts from 20, 30, 40 years ago. So what we're starting to see is this shift in how buyers want to buy and what content they want to consume to help them make educated decisions. And on the seller side, how they can push the envelope on what B2B content looks and feels like. And with these two shifts happening, we're starting to see this natural lean in towards the idea of building out media companies. But what's important to note when we're thinking about this concept is media company does not equate to creating content with a gimmick. Ronnie has a few thoughts on that. Here we go. I think that's where B2B marketers need to like, break the mold like now when someone tries to do the same thing and maybe misinterprets why it works they're gonna like do some cringy stuff the way i know you know some people might have tried to copy hot ones and do hot wings during interviews like without realizing like why hot ones works uh and i think that's where like the the whole like media company thing falls apart as people think it's doing something fun, creative, a little like avant-garde, but it's actually closer to content fulfilling what it was originally supposed to be, which was figuring out how to be part of a 
business uh, buyers media consumption habits and how to be relevant and to think like a media company in that terms of like understanding not just like oh we need a blog post or it needs to be a beautiful looking editorial website like and going beyond that to think like how do i get people's attention and stand out and how do i do it in a way that gets people talking and thinking about our business in a way that ties to our companies like OKRs, objectives, and so forth. So what do we need to do? Where do we start? Ronnie shared a couple of thoughts with me, which we'll get to after this message from my friends over at Transmission. Some of the most successful content creators can spend years building an audience on a single platform, only for an algorithm change or shift in buyer behavior to wipe out their ability to reach an audience overnight. If you're creating content on borrowed platforms, diversification is key. And it's with this mindset that I've been going hard on LinkedIn over the last few months. That's why I was so excited when I learned about Hubbub, a content and creative inspiration hub by Transmission, the world's largest independent B2B marketing agency and LinkedIn marketing partner. It is a bona fide treasure trove of expert thought leadership and best practices on how to best utilize the platform to grow your brand and your business. They've got all sorts of juicy playbooks that you can put into practice immediately, from the brand to demand playbook to the perfect blend between paid and organic social. I highly recommend checking it out. Just head over to bit.ly forward slash B2B dash better and upskill yourself today. I'll drop the link in the description of this episode. I think what is wrong or what needs to happen with this whole building a media company is people need to start really caring that deeply and for the ones that do they also need to figure out how to get everyone else to care that deeply aka their you know people in charge the cmos the ceos and help them understand patrick is like a, a unicorn like Ronnie's talking about Patrick Campbell here who is the CEO and founder of Profitwell that I mentioned them earlier sold to Paddle for 200 million dollars in 2022 they've built an amazing uh, media arm of their business called Recur which has just pumped out some real best in class media centric content over the last few years people see what Patrick's doing and think oh man we should do that but people forget I actually forget what his new title is with Paddle, but I mean, he's the CEO. He's able to just make the decision and do it where so many of us, even me, I have to go through approvals. And it's so hard to get people to understand that idea that a media company or art or a performance art has its place in B2B because there's this wide spectrum of what we consume and the part that b2b marketing has saturated is like one sixteenth or maybe one hundredth of what gets consumed so how do you start building consensus within your within your organization how do you convince everyone from the ceo to the cfo to the head of sales to the head of customer success to not just give you permission to go ahead but actually become an active contributor in the strategy Ronnie had a few thoughts. Go to google.com and in the search bar, enter Disney 1957 
uh, I don't know if it's strategy or anything, then just go to Google Images and you'll see this 1957 uh, sort of like drawing illustration. It looks like it's like, because the square feels like it was drawn on a napkin. Uh, and what you see is how Walt Disney saw the parks, the movies, the publications, the TV shows, the music, all as separate departments feeding into one another. And it's something that I was shown in college in film school, uh, had a class where I was taught by a Disney Imagineer who had showed it. And I remember just being blown away and it made me realize like, that's how Disney became Disney. Like they saw, they saw the, the way to be a part of their audiences or their customers like life. That's why there's like people who just they're Disney people, right? You know, they go to Disney all the time and they love Disney. Like it's just, everything's Disney. Like they've been able to like build that brand by understanding how to operate a omni-channel multimedia media machine. And I'm not saying that a B2B marketer at any company needs to try and become the Disney of their company. I mean, that's an awesome goal, but I'm not even trying to do that. Uh, but I think it shows how you, uh, how all the different pieces fit together. And so, uh, start there to like show others, like, where your head's at. I think that illustration, since I started showing it to people, it just, they get it a little bit more. The diagram is indeed epic. I will drop a link to it in the description of this episode so you can check it out yourself. But building out a media company in B2B isn't just about convincing executives that it's a good idea. It's about figuring out how you can leverage the available resources you have to get started. Ronnie mentioned Disney. Obviously, he's not suggesting that a company should try and become the Disney of B2B. Disney invests billions of dollars each year in promoting its theme parks, in creating its movies, in building out merchandise, building out IP. And there are very few, if any, B2B companies that can even hope to begin to match a fraction, a tenth of what they invest in content. So if you're a solo marketer working in a Series A, a Series B, or perhaps you know a well-established company, but with a new marketing function and you're trying to build out the business case that investing in premium media-like content is a good idea, how do you start when you're in that position? Ronnie had some thoughts. Here you go. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? That's it. Um, all you got to do is think about, I mean, go and look for stuff, HubSpot, Marketo, Kapost, we're publishing in 2012, 2014 even, and which feels like yesterday, but geez, I can't believe how old, like how fast it's gone by. But like, you will see diagrams of them showing that like the basic idea of you write a 3000 word, uh, three to four chapter ebook, and you break up those chapters into blog posts. And then you take some of the headers and things and you use that as your landing page, email copy, your other things. And then 
as that idea has evolved over time, I started thinking of Frankensteining things and how like you can like take, like there's multiple ways you can attack the same topic. Like, so instead of just going into hrefs and saying like, oh, I got to write something about this topic, write an exhaustive list of all the angles you could take on that topic and then figure out what's another topic and then how do those, what happens when you mix those together? And it's just starting with one thing. Sounds simple, but I can promise you it is not. Many marketers, myself included, suffer from magpie syndrome. We see something shiny and we want it, whether that's launching a podcast, whether that's building out a TikTok following, whether that's fueling a blog with content. We just want to be everywhere and do everything all of the time. But when you are in a situation where you're building out a strategy from scratch, it is the quickest way to dilute the potency of your efforts. If you don't have a big team, if you don't have a massive budget, if you're just trying to build a business case out for something like building out a media strategy, start small, focus on one thing and do it really well, or at least until you've developed enough indicative positive signals that there's some juice behind that channel. There's a reason to keep investing and doubling down before scaling out to other properties. I asked Ronnie to give me an example of this in practice. Uh, he's just started a new job over at Open Phone, so he's thinking a lot at the moment about what it takes to build out a media program. Uh, and he broke down a fantastic example for me on where he's looking to get started. So if you want to get started with it, like think about building your resource library. Your resource library being, think of it as a library. Think of it as like the place that, you know, you have these resources that are updated every year that are not maintained or like curated and everything. And they have like the best insight. And what are, what would be in that library? Is it a, you know, a bunch of templates? Is it a bunch of strategy guides? Like for open phone, I'm thinking like, uh, we need to have phone etiquette guides. We need to have message templates. Uh, we need to have um, tutorials. So, and to do those three things, and I only have one content marketer. So it's me and this one person. And how do we do all of that is, well, when you're writing the etiquette guide, you need examples. When you're coming up with examples, you end up you should be coming up with more than one and the stuff that doesn't make the cutting room or end up in the final piece gets put into the message templates. So like consolidate into that, a guide in my mind, this is why I'm very strict where I, when I work with teams and companies uh, about taxonomy is like a guide is essentially another word for an ebook, but I s s try to stray away from it since I don't do PDFs uh, or don't normally do them. I don't not do them. Uh, and it, a guide is conceptual, strategic, and tactical. A template is purely tactical. A tutorial is purely tactical. It is a step-by-step. -step. It's, it's a, instructions but the difference between a tutorial and a help center article 
are technical versus like having some voice personality and some adding some color to it. But all three of those things, sorry, is it three things? Yeah, all three things are born of the one thing. And so you spend an exhaustive like month trying to figure out the one thing and then you effortlessly turn it into the other two things. Start small like that. But the other thing too is the idea of the library is that the library is a franchise. So uh, the one thing I would want to make sure everyone knows is that Jay Akunzo recently said this, and you can put that in the show notes of, I'll find the tweet for you, of mar content marketing in the past was a bunch of pieces. Content marketing today is creating intellectual property. And so when I'm thinking about tutorials, templates, etiquette guides, like an etiquette guide, just putting in the word etiquette guide, phone etiquette guide is a franchise. It's a like repeatable thing. It has, it's like um, blank for dummies, right? Like it becomes a thing. Uh, for tutorials, we have a, a thing that I don't want to unveil just yet because it's still being developed, but it has like a reoccurring theme. So instead of just publishing a bunch of pieces, think of how do you create a package that people can wrap their head around? Same way people uh, remember hot ones, just to go back to that same example is like, what's the package of the interview? What makes it unique? What is the thing that people anticipate as though it's a genre? Like, what are the things that everyone knows are in it? Like, to go back to Patrick um, and Profit Well, every time they do a Protect the Hustle um, interview, they turn it into a blog post. Most people would take the um, recording slap it on a blog post and then just put the transcription in there or regular just show notes they do a whole field notes like actions to take resources to uh explore and it's all the stuff that if you don't want to watch an episode you get the like gold nuggets out of it and so uh i think that whole like thinking of that packaging of how like help people just effortlessly consume and share the content is the key to starting and that's it for this episode of b2b better if you found it useful please give me a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice it means a lot to a growing show like mine also why not sign up to my newsletter the b2b bite where i share actionable frameworks and strategies on how to market your b2b business and if you need support building running or refining your b2b marketing approach Hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter to set up a free 30-minute diagnosis call to review your strategy and get some personalized advice. All links in the description of this episode. See you next time.